Welcome to the Jinx Dance Media Podcast. This is your host, Jude, and this is where I'll be chatting to you about how to design and create high quality dance events and creative dance content. I'll be covering topics ranging from fundraising, marketing, production, content creation, design, and so much more so that you can have all the tools and resources you need to stand out and build genuine connections with your audience. Hello, everyone. I am here today with a very special guest, our first guest on this podcast, actually, which is super exciting. For those of you who don't know her, Tanya here. She is the co-founder of Shadow Puppets, and she has been in the dance scene for about 15 years now. Representing Chicago, she is a battle champion, teacher, judge, event organizer, and a full-time mom. On today's episode, we're going to be doing a deep dive into Tanya's recent event, Flow First, which actually happened in November of last year and is now on track to becoming an annual event. So thanks for joining us. Tanya, is there anything you wanted to add before we get started? Uh, No, no, just thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Uh, It's going to be my first time doing a podcast, so we'll see how it goes. But I'm definitely excited to share my experience with Flow First where it started and where it's going. Just to give a little bit more context to people who are listening, the way I wanna structure this podcast episode, just diving into how Tanya here has put Flow First together from beginning to end, challenges, successes, learning lessons, tips, advice, all of that good stuff. I really just wanna be able to give you guys a broader overview of what the process of putting an event together actually looks like. So that's kind of the purpose of doing these little event deep dives. So anyways, let's just hop into it. Let's Um, do it. Let's go. So my first question to get us started, can you just give us a bit of background on your event flow first? And just for people who weren't there and who don't really know what it is, kind of tell us a little bit more about the event. Yeah, of course. Uh, Flow first, full waving experience. That's the way I like to call it. Uh, it happened in November 2022 here in Chicago, Illinois. Basically, there were like three components to that event. Uh, workshops, which I consider the most important part, the battle, waving battle, and a mini open session. Uh, the battle, we really had an interesting system in place. Basically, every single round had concepts. So for top 16, we had uh, flow first. That's the name of the concept where people had to demonstrate their flow and waving. So nothing crazy. Then for top eight, uh, they uh, had opportunity to choose their own concept uh, from the list. Uh, For top four, we had body and space awareness. And for the finals, we had storytelling. Yeah, so that was like really successful event because originally we had a plan of just doing it for the local community. And I personally didn't expect a lot of people to show up for both workshops and metal. But I think we ended up having like over 80 people with 50 signups for the battle and workshops being sold out, which I think is amazing. Yeah, so that's like a mini background. Can you walk us through what made you decide to put Flow First together? Of course. Uh, Do you want a short version of the events or the long one? (laughs) Share it as much as you like. We're here for it all. <laughs> okay, so two-hour story. <laughs> Let's about go. About to begin. <laughs> okay, so everything started um, 
probably when me and Kevin, shout out to Kevin, shout out to Papa. Shout out to Kevin. <laughs> uh, yeah, we both love waving and uh, we constantly like would go to the side and do waving rounds. Then we ended up uh, doing uh, sessions outside in the summer 2021. Um, later, a few other folks joined us. So yeah, it was like a mini uh, waving club, <laughs> the way I used to call it. Uh, but then once summer was over, we moved to my apartment and later to Latrell's apartment. And at a certain point, uh, we noticed that we have like oh, 10 people in small living room, like tiny living room. I'm like, okay, you know what? <laughs> Maybe it's time to move somewhere where more people can join us. And that was really interesting because, you know, waving is a really small style and it usually ties really close to popping. So we're like, okay, we want to see poppers doing waving. But surprisingly, we had folks from an horror scene, like contemporary backgrounds, uh, hip hop and other styles. So like, okay, we need to put something together where everyone can come in. We can uh, like train together, do drills together, explore concept, concepts. So yeah, we did that uh, in the beginning of 2022. So about a year ago. And around that time, I'm like, okay, so there is something in it. We need to find ways to grow it even bigger. And uh, closer to May, I think it was maybe around April. That's where I learned that Alex from Greece and uh, Jess Sykes uh, we're going to give a workshop in Wisconsin, which is like two hours away from Chicago. And I'm like, yay, this is the opportunity for yeah. <laughs> to grow our like local Chicago women community. But unfortunately, that didn't happen. But in my mind, I was like, I'm still taking those workshops. <laughs> yeah, and I reached out to both Alex and Jess. I'm like, okay, guys, do you want to stop by Chicago like around that time? Uh, but uh, unfortunately, there were like some outside circumstances that wasn't possible. Um, and we're like, okay, let's do it in November because that's when Alex was planning to come to Chicago. And what's interesting, original plan was only to do workshops. Uh, in my mind, I'm like, we don't really need a battle. We don't have that many people to enter a webbing battle. Mm -hmm. But that like knowledge uh, education component, I know for sure that we needed it. And some people might really like get interested with the style if they experience learning from waving giants like <laughs> Alex and Jesse. But closer to like end of the song, I'm like, you know what? Maybe we should add a battle uh, as well. In my mind, it was like, okay, why not? What we're losing if we add it? Mm -hmm. So that's kind of was background story. I hope I'm not forgetting anything. But yes, that's, that's the way Flow First came to life. And it's actually what's funny. Flow First, that name... Uh, we create the name super late. I create the name super late. Original name was like only waves. And I know it's a terrible <laughs> name. It's a very terrible name, but it has special meaning for us. Um, so yeah. Getting into our second question, I guess, could you give us a breakdown of what went into organizing flow first, i.e. the planning timeline, the process, the team involved, um, budget, scope, anything that you want to share? Uh, sure. So the way I want to break it down, it's not necessarily in a chronological order, but it's more about like answering main questions. So for me, the main question was why? So why do I want to do it? Why do we need it? Like, do we even need it? So for me, it was, as I mentioned before, like we have this really small living community in Chicago. So how can we make it bigger? Like how we can expand it? So that was my why and it's interesting because originally in my mind i was only targeting like local chicago community maybe some uh 
other states from the Midwest. But yeah, I definitely didn't expect it to be as big as it turned out to be. So that was like the first step. Okay, so next question for me was who, but it kind of like tied to why. It was like, who do I want to bring? So Alex and Jesse, for me, it was like, okay, yes, we're going with these people. But then we're like, okay, uh, when we decided it's time to do uh, a battle, who's going to be a DJ, who's going to be MC. Uh, also, um, due to like financial reasons, I was going to film videos myself, but then like almost, not necessarily last minute, but like one week out, we need to hijack it then. Shameless plug, Jekaden. Hi, <laughs> the man if you're organizing the battle. Trust me, you need a good quality footage for all good quality events. Absolutely. Yes. Um, then next, uh, of course, it would be like when, date, time. Uh, for me, it was particularly complicated because it was that particular weekend that we can do it, but all of the dance was the same weekend. So I'm like, okay, we have Friday, mm. Saturday, Sunday, but no, wait a minute. We actually don't have Sunday because all of the dance uh, was that day. So now we have two workshops, battle and a session that we have to somehow organize within two days. Uh, it was like um, collaboration effort with uh, Alex and Jesse. I'm like, okay, cool, let's do that. We're doing one workshop on Friday evening, then we're doing session, and then we're doing workshop on Saturday morning and battle the same day on Saturday. So that was in terms of uh, like broader timeline. Then, of course, we had to sit down and like, okay, how do we break down the timing of the event? Uh, that was a really big topic because in my mind, I was like, okay, we're probably going to have like 15 people signing up and that's it. So Prims will be like, whoo, that's it and we're done. But no, <laughs> we ended up having like 50 people, which I think it's well, waving it. I think it's insane. Yeah, but, absolutely. Um, so that's that. Uh, another, of course, it's where location. You can just like, oh, I'll figure it out later. So um, once again, because of Wolf the Dance, people were booking a lot of studios, so it was a challenge to secure uh, certain locations. We had to do two different studios with the plan. Original plan was to have everything in one, but it is what it is. Uh, but it's noted for all future events. Uh, and then another question was, of course, how? So how do we promote it? How we... How do I make sure that people know about it? How I make sure that people even like show up? Workshops probably was the part that worried me the most. We all know that people uh, don't really like to take workshops. Uh, so in my mind, uh, the goal like of 10 people who take workshops, it was beautiful. We ended up being like between 35 and 40 attendees. Yeah, I thought I thought you sold out all your workshop slots. Yeah, we yeah. actually we actually did. Yeah, we didn't have space in the studio. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's what I'm talking about like locations. Now I know that next time we do it, we need bigger studio that can fit everyone who wants to take workshop because I stated in the beginning like for flow first, it's a full weaving experience, but the main goal was education and workshops part. Mm -hmm. Um yeah, so those were like main steps in terms of time frame i spent probably uh like two months in the summer planning breaking everything down right and once all of that had said it was pretty easy to uh move like one two months before the event mm -hmm. but also i think what's uh what what helped me i think everyone should know their weaknesses so my weakness obviously it's like logistic the day off that's why I ask Jude from Jinx Dits Media <laughs> uh, to help me out. Because it's like, I believe you can really do event by yourself and you always need 
people, volunteers, yep. or people who know what they do. And I'm like, okay, the day off, I know that I'm going to be panicking. And I was like, I need a person who, can I curse in this podcast? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> who got their shit together. Okay. <laughs> so you definitely <laughs> does. And it was a really amazing help, like the day off, because there are certain issues that can come up like the day off that you don't expect. And it's really helpful when you have people in your team who can actually help you to handle those issues. Yeah, absolutely. And I really just want to say, I love how when you were breaking down your process, you started with your why. I think that's something that I see very commonly a lot of events miss. They kind of just skip the why and they're just like, I want to put on yep. an event because it's cool, <laughs> right? And it's like, it's like fun and exciting to think about putting an event on. But if you don't have a why, then I think it becomes really tricky to make informed decisions as you are planning the event. And then also it becomes difficult to enjoy the process as well because it's like, what are you doing it for? And when things get hard, because planning an event sounds cool, but it is not as easy as it may appear, or it's not as fun always as it appears the day of, because obviously the day of the event is always a blast. Lots of cool stuff happening. You get to see everything come together. But what you guys don't see is like months and months of planning before that, that is really meticulous. And so I love that you started with your why. And that was like really what rooted you in every decision you made, even in terms of like, okay, we want to focus on education. So the workshops are the primary focus, not the battle, right? So I think like that was something that really kept you grounded and kept the event grounded. Um, It's just knowing like who and what you were doing it for. Um, So I really respect that. I love that. (laughs) I think that's awesome. (laughs) So yeah. Um, So I think you touched on this a little bit already, but maybe let's just dive a little bit deeper into it. I want to talk about what challenges you faced while you were putting the event together. Yeah, sure. Um, So I already mentioned World of the Dance being the same weekend. It was a pretty big challenge for us because we had to shrink really like long program into two days. Of course, there were like certain benefits of World of the Dance being the same weekend. Some of the dancers from other states were in the city. Uh, and they're like, okay, let me check it out flow first. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so like time, rest- uh, there was a lot of like elements like time restriction. Then we had location restriction because uh, a lot of uh, crews who were performing, they were renting space mm-hmm. at a higher rate than they usually do. So for example, uh, for like Jesse's workshop, I also wanted to get off the ground, but it wasn't available. And I asked, uh, I tried to book everything like three, four months in advance, but yeah, people already knew World of the Dance was coming. So unfortunately that wasn't an option. Mm-hmm. So I still want to say that probably was the biggest challenge. Everything else, like small, tiny details, uh, but nothing too major. Yeah, for sure. And I definitely think that's um, something that not everyone thinks about. Like I know we've run into our own issues with booking venues. Like we think booking a venue like nine months in advance is enough time. And then it turns out like, oh, (laughs) this month is really popular. So actually you should have booked three months earlier. So it's like trying to book a year out. So I would just say to everyone who can and knows that their event's happening in advance, one tip of advice from me as someone who messes with venues a lot, always book as far in advance as you possibly can, especially if you know that time frame is going to be really popular like you know even if it's like not for dance specific events like i know like 
weddings can book out venues that you might want to use for your event. So just thinking about that stuff too is always important in order to help avoid some of that stress. 100%. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Okay, so my next question, what elements of your event were you most proud of and or felt were most successful and why? Ooh, finals. That's that's the main reason why Floor First 2 is happening. If you were there, you were there. <laughs> uh, no, I, I don't even know how to explain it in words. It's just, you know, like in the battles, generally, this idea, like, you need to put on the character, you need to battle, you need mm-hmm. to be like, I'm going to smoke you. That final uh, Yang and ba- Base Boy, check them out. Um, that was probably the most magical thing I've ever seen in my life, dance-wise. And I think it's because... In that particular final, it wasn't about putting the mask on, but quite the opposite, taking that mask off and showing you mm. what you actually have stored like inside you and just like showing the entire room, like some strangers or not strangers, like, here you go. Um, yeah, everyone was really emotional. <laughs> yeah, I was there. Everyone started crying. Uh, it was yeah. just like one person would look at, over at the person next to them, they'd be crying and then they would start crying. It was like... One of those like uh, domino effects where you saw someone else crying and you just started tearing up, man. It was one of those events. <laughs> I mean, yeah, no, it's it just it was different. It was so different. It's in a few different aspects in terms of creativity, just seeing what people were doing with the concepts, because we had a system where every single round had specific concept. Right. And in the finals, for example, what we had is uh, first uh, Alex and Jesse chose the concept, which was gravity on and off. And second, they let them choose the concept uh, for storytelling. Yes. And I think just seeing what people can do with dance and how they can tell their stories to dance. It was so, I don't know, amazing. Uh, Yes, I I've been dancing, as you mentioned, like since 2008. And I experienced a variety of emotions on like different dance events, battles or not, but I never experienced anything close to what I felt uh, during the finals of Flow First. Yeah, it was extremely vulnerable. Yes, and I think that's something um, that we don't see or don't experience often, especially among men. Mm-hmm. And seeing that people allowed, they felt safe to express themselves that way, that was really rewarding. And that's why I think Flow First 2 should happen. Yeah. Absolutely. I agree. And this is kind of a side uh, question that I have that wasn't planned, but... Um, Let's do it. <laughs> I, I guess like I, I kind of want to hear more of your thoughts on what made Flow First so special, you know, before that even happened, right? Because obviously, like you said, the event scaled. Like mm-hmm. it ended up having a much bigger turnout than what you were initially expecting. You were expecting more of a local event and it turned out to actually have a lot of people from out of state come out. And like you said, you were expecting maybe a handful of signups and you got 50, which is doesn't sound like a lot for like a normal, I guess, event, but for a waving specific battle that is actually a lot and it also it was your first year doing this and you didn't put a lot of effort into the marketing I guess like the marketing wasn't like six months out or anything like that yeah. so like given the time frame given the scale and just what you were expecting 
I guess I'm curious what you thought made people so interested in coming out for this. Ooh, this is a very complex question. Um, can I be brutally honest? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, I think people really tired of open all-stars battles, mm. right? So that's like one of the first reasons because, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure it's not unique to Chicago. But do you have, like, I'm asking you, do you have these moments where you, like, go to a few different uh, events within three months, and then in your mind, you can't even, like, separate them. They all blend Mm -hmm. into one. Mm -hmm. And especially if you see it, it's usually, like, same judges, same music, same, like, concept Mm. category, which is, like, open open styles, right? And I'm not saying it's, it's bad, no, but... I think sometimes we want we want something different. Mm-hmm. Maybe we want something that speaks to us. So for me, like I love waving, and maybe it sounds selfish, but I'm like, okay, I love waving. I'm ready to put my money into it because I want to surround uh, and like bring people in who feel the same way about waving. Absolutely. Uh, and the thing is, like, I, I guess what helped me that I didn't really set any specific goals. I was like okay, like, and financial goals too, like, okay, I need to break even, I need to have these people, like, I did not care about any of that. Mm-hmm. For me, it was like, I care about this community, I care about the style, and I care about our local waving community uh, to grow, and I think when your int- intentions are, like, pure and real, people can sense it. Mm-hmm. They can they can look at it sometimes like event the way people talk about it and I was like oh I think they just throw it just because mm-hmm. and they can look at other event I'm like you know what they actually care I think it's gonna be interesting I want to be a part of it right and I think like for flow first it was that element but also another element even the workshops uh, were the primary part I think people really got excited about the concepts and it's interesting because I edited it, but I didn't even know if people were gonna take it seriously. But I know uh, many of those 50 people, they actually were training those concepts. Wow. They were like getting ready. And I think like, it's not just, oh, it's going to be a regular battle. I can do whatever I want based on the music right here. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, my goal is to pass. And my goal to nail all of those concepts and tasks. And I I think people really got excited about it. Mm. Plus, moreover, like how many waving events we have. Uh, Of course, there are a lot of... um, online competition going. I know WaveGain was Jay Smooth. They were doing a lot of online stuff during uh, the pandemic. Um, I think there was one event organized by uh, Sykes, other Sykes <laughs> from San Antonio. <laughs> but yeah, it's not something that's happening every other month. So people just I don't think I've excited. ever heard of a waving battle in person, at least not anywhere near in the Midwest. Uh, not in the Midwest for sure, but they yeah. do have like one in Texas. But yeah, I think it's just yeah. people... They they felt same excitement that I I felt before before yeah. all this came to life. Yeah, and I guess from my perspective too, I think you touched on this, but it's that unique factor value that your event had, right? It was something different, which makes it refreshing. It's not the same thing that you're experiencing at a you know. Not to call open styles out, but like an open styles 1v1 battle every single weekend in the summer of Chicago. Um, <laughs> like, and I don't even think it's specific to open styles. I think it's just like the format of the event, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's the same category. It's the same format. Like you said, same judges, same DJ, same music. And that's what kind of makes it less interesting. It's not that it's, 
like I, like I said, I don't want to call open styles out. It's not that it's an open styles event. It's that it, there's no unique new factor to it to make it more novel, more interesting and exciting. Like I would love to see like a 2v2 open styles event or seven to smoke. We haven't. Yeah. When last time did we have seven to smoke and open styles? Yeah. I remember 2018 and 19. Yeah. There were like multiple ways of approach it. But I think people, they really afraid to change some stuff mm-hmm. around. And- I think, and I, yeah, I think it's about taking risks and being creative because also for me, like even as an event organizer, like if I was doing the same type of event over and over and over again, I'd get so bored. I would get so bored. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like, even just for your own self, like change it up, make it interesting, experiment with the format mm-hmm. of your event because that's actually going to get people excited because it's something they haven't experienced before and it's going to make your event stand out and make your event more memorable to people because it's not just blending in with all the other events that are doing the exact same thing as you. 100%. So, okay. Well, thanks for answering that impromptu question. Ooh, uh, <laughs> <always> ready. <laughs> so the next question that I have... Um, I guess, what were your key takeaways and lessons that you learned from this event? Uh, Okay, so I have two answers to that question. First, more on the broader scale and not even like event specific. Uh, It's you never know how many people share your vision, right? And that's something was really um, like almost surprising, not surprising, but yeah, surprising. Because basically we went into Flow First without expecting anything, uh, without, um, I don't know, like any guarantees how many people are going to take workshops, how many people are going to show up, and just seeing how many people love this style, how many people want to participate in uh, all events surrounding the style, that was amazing. And I'm not talking about waving in general, but sometimes maybe... Like you have an idea, but you think that some, like no one will accept it. No one will like, you never know how many people may be waiting for that. Mm -hmm. Because like for me, like also like a little side note, just in general, and even like with the um, Shadow Puppet stuff, I want to create something that I would love to be a part of, Mm -hmm. right? Because I'm like, okay, I would love to enter waving battle, right? With a concept like this, that's why I'm like, okay, let's do it. I'll see maybe... Other people, they really want to experience the same things that you want. Yeah, and I think that also touches on, I guess, the, the idea that, like, just because nobody else is doing an event like that doesn't mean there's not a demand for it, right? It's about, like, looking at where there are opportunities to fill a gap in demand. So with waving, you know, that's a very niche style. And I guess some people might be afraid to take that risk or do that leap to put on an event like that because, like you said, they might be worried about not making their money back or they might be worried that not enough people are going to show up. But, like, when you take that risk, you get rewarded. Um, And I think, like, it just goes to show that, like, people really did want something like that, but they didn't even know it until you did it. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) like, like, if you're you're out there thinking, like, man, I really wish there was an event like that, like, there are definitely going to be dozens more, if not hundreds more people who feel the same way. Um, so I 100% agree with that. Yeah, yeah. I think it's great. <laughs> um, and I guess like the second uh, answer, more specific, more like technical, 
Um, and that's something I took notes of and we will try to implement next time. Uh, it's everything like on technique sides, right? We did have a problem with Mike, right? So I'm like, make sure, uh, I'm like, I need mm -hmm. to make sure that we have all equipment ready to go, everything we need, uh, extra, extra time. Uh, once again, we had an issues with the studio because it was like booked before and after, mm -hmm. but we definitely want extra time and for the battle and we want to extend the session next time. Uh, bigger space, uh, increased payment methods. It's like all the details, but those mm -hmm. details matter because like few people, they were like, oh, okay, because we only accepted like, for example, cash and Venmo and people were like, oh, I don't have cash Venmo. I'm like, okay, we're going to add something next time. Mm -hmm. So, and yeah, I guess uh, last takeaway, always have a uh, air freshener here <laughs> because you never know. Judah's laughing because she knows, but yeah, uh, it's just like, you know what, I'm going to say it. I'm sorry, if you're renting a space to someone, please, please make sure that it doesn't smell really bad when people arrive to the space because... Yeah. We had an issue that I know it's kind of like behind the, the curtain, but I know Jude been talking in her podcast about details matter. And yes, no one wants to like walk in the space and just smell all this BO. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, we, we walked in <laughs> for context. We walked in on the day of Flow First setup and it reeked of BO in that entire room. And we had, um, just people running around the room spraying Febreze, like trying to get it to go away. We used all of it. That's like why the like whole, the extra whole hour before <laughs> the event actually started, we were just like spraying the room because um, we couldn't open the windows to vent it out. And yeah. uh, that is also a tip that I will um, recommend people. If you are signing a rental agreement with a space, make sure that there is something in there about leaving the space in good condition when you arrive um because that was not in good condition and also the floors were dirty i'll just add so i wasn't really happy about that either <laughs> yeah i'm like did you think that organizing event is fun experience <laughs> now you know <laughs> so no, yeah um, yeah i mean it is what it is it's nothing like major but it's you know, when it piles up, it's not really good yeah. feeling. Yeah. No, I 100% feel you on that one. And there's always going to be stuff that happens that it's outside of your control. Um, so I think you did a good job in handling those issues as they arise. And now you have notes for how you want to prep for next time as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so this is my final question. Are there any tools, resources, or advice you'd recommend to others who want to organize an event of a similar scale to Flow First? Ooh, yeah, let's do this. Uh, so let's start with the first. Um, if you have an idea and you know you want to bring it to life, just go for it. Go for it, but have your stuff together. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like, you see, it's two parts, but it's interesting because... Um, you can see when some people, like, they're really excited about putting something together, but they know how. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's really important to know, like, okay, let's, like, don't start putting something together two weeks before the set date. Like, yeah. <laughs> you, like, it's what and how, right? And always, like, don't hesitate to reach out people who might know how to put it together. Shameless plug. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, and it's, like, back to our conversation uh like you never know what people want to see maybe like your vision it's something that other people really really like 
want to experience mm-hmm. but once again have your stuff together it's yeah. it's, it's a and b you can't yeah. you can't just do a make okay. sure you do your research right and make sure you do the prep work to make it happen um i'm very guilty of getting so excited about something i want to act on it right away but like you have to if you want to do it do it right 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 <laughs> so <laughs> um and then also i love what you said about leaning on other people who have experience for support um, because maybe you have a specific vision in mind, but other people might be able to contribute to that vision in ways that you weren't even thinking about as well. They might have like an idea for your event being like, Hey, like, I know you want to do this, but it's not very practical. So maybe you should do it this way. And you're like, Oh, it's a great idea. Right. Um, so definitely do that. I think that is always, always important to use your resources because I think we said this earlier in the podcast too. You can never do an event by yourself. It's just not practical. <laughs> Unless it's your, in, I don't know, event in your dining room where it's just you yeah. and you can. That's it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like another ad- advice that ties into this one, and it's not just about like putting an event together, but know your weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something that's really important. So for me, and I'm a really stubborn person, okay? Sometimes it takes me a minute to like, Tanya, you suck at this. You need help, right? <laughs> uh, so maybe if you like this, like, you're not alone. But for me, like, I was, okay, for example, I knew that I can, like, handle all communication with people who are involved. I know I can, uh, like, manage social media, I can't create flash. But, like, for me, I know the challenge is the day of making sure, like, supplies list. I hate it like if you ask june we had supply list of like i don't know 40 items and i'm like stuff that need to be printed i i consider myself organized person but not better <laughs> so you know like i know that's my weakness i knew that i needed help the day off to make sure like we don't forget anything right and that's i was uh, like that's where i needed help the most and that's why i think it's really important no weaknesses maybe i i don't know maybe you're really good with that part but maybe you need help with like i don't know uh making a flyer so ask someone to make a flyer for you mm-hmm. like don't try to make everything by yourself especially if you know this is your weakness uh but yeah that's um i guess the second part also i guess the last part it's don't be afraid to step out of uh like typical battle settings and offer something unique add some element of surprise and we talked about it like it can be literally anything uh either even you're doing like open styles uh, i don't know invite i don't know in like, n- new judges that never judged before mm-hmm. right i don't know uh, like a specific music theme yeah and uh, like like change the things up because you know for me to see like okay so for example uh i i love scrubs the show tv show it has like what eight seasons i don't know maybe more i watched it maybe like 10 times from first last season right but by the time i watched all of it 10 times i'm like you know what no i think i'm done and even though i love this show i can't watch it anymore and it's the same with the battles like change stuff up even Mm -hmm. like the something is really good quality people get used to this stuff they people we always want uh changes in our life that's Mm -hmm. just the way everything works so yeah don't don't be afraid to just experiment but yet like get your stuff together yeah and on that note as well like I just want to add that I think a lot of times I see people strive for quality as the unique factor for their event because let's be honest at least until recently like 
and even now this is still a problem like there's a lot of events that are just thrown together there's not a lot of thought put into them um they're not very organized and so like quality is like the unique selling factor for some events but in my opinion that shouldn't even be a unique factor that should be the baseline standard Mm -hmm. and everything that you did for flow first is like that element of surprise that people should be striving for to put on top of their events and i think that's what makes a truly good event is not that it's organized not that it's like put together again that should just be standard i think having that element, that unique factor, like how am I going to make this different from other events? That's what people should really be looking at to really make their events unique and stand out. So, yeah. And yeah. going back to very beginning, always have your why. Mm-hmm. Because you can try to take it unique, but then you can make it unique, but what if you don't care about any of it, mm-hmm. right? So I think it's really important to answer why and for the event and why for you. Yeah. It's like why are you doing it because you know how many events we have that it's only like one one time and that's it mm-hmm. right but look at other events that i don't know look at for example freestyle session right they mm-hmm. just had their 25th anniversary if and of course 25 years maybe it's a real long time <laughs> but i think events that uh go for more than like one uh edition they have their why set in stone and i think yeah. that's what amazing about it. absolutely and i think even to even if you do just want to do one off events like that's okay but having like a clear purpose is still important because like this is not related to flow first but when we did nightmare on rockwell street that was a one-off event and that was um shadow puppets debut event and that was literally just so we could get our feet wet and learn the ropes of putting an event together. And also we were focused more so on a local event, doing something smaller and having a style specific and bringing that to the community. Like that was our first like popping event. So I think like we had a clear purpose for why we were doing that event and we didn't feel that it needed to be multiple years because not every event needs to be an annual event that happens all the time right um whereas out of shadows has a completely different purpose like we're wanting to reach that national audience and wanting to continue to grow the scene here in chicago so that's why having an annual event makes sense for that so same with flow first like obviously i think when you first had started with flow first your intention wasn't for it to be an annual event but you found your new why yeah. As to why you want it to become an annual event. So, yeah. Uh, thank you for adding. Yeah, 100%. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much, Tanya, for taking the time to do this podcast with me. And I hope that everyone got as much value out of this as I did because I love having these conversations. I think that they are so helpful for me and giving me perspective. Um, and I hope that everyone else feels the same. <laughs> yeah, thank you for having me and thank you for listening. If you were here with us this over 30 plus minutes, we appreciate you a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I will also include anything that was mentioned. I will include links and tags in the description of this podcast episode. So if you guys want to refer back to um, anyone or anything that we mentioned, that's where you can go to find that. Awesome. Thank you all. And I will see you, talk to you in my next episode. (laughs) Bye, everyone. Bye.